Bigfoot, tree octopi, and Sasquatch. Oh my, humanity has spent so many centuries coming up with mythical, supernatural creatures to fear. We often forget them most of the time, as proven by Scooby-Doo. People are the monsters. One wonderful example of this is the Shanghai Tunnels right here in Tacoma, Washington. First of all, I'll be referring to them just as the tunnels since they have absolutely nothing to do with Chinese immigrants, Shanghai, or China in general. The stories varied from person to person on exact details, but ultimately they all came down to the theory that there was an extensive network of tunnels running underneath the city, all eventually leading to the port. According to these stories, Tacoma residents were being kidnapped by these tunnels, smuggled onto boats bound for Shanghai, and were never seen again. As is the case with most myths or legends, these rumors were based very loosely in fact. There did used to be tunnels running underneath the ground, but they were at no point used for illegal activities, human trafficking, or otherwise. Tacoma was a no-laws town, meaning things that would be smuggled, liquor, opium, were not only legal, but easily accessible to anyone who wanted them. These stories were, at best, innocent, scary stories to spread around school, and, at worst, a tool used to further the racial divide between the white and Asian American residents. What actually happened is completely unrelated to race or smuggling, but entertaining nonetheless. So if you're ready to hear about an absolute disaster that would make Thomas the Tank Engine go right off the tracks, then grab a cat and some tea and climb aboard the It's Fine, Everything is Fine Express. By the turn of the 20th century, the railroad industry was one of the biggest in America. Tacoma was home to the Northern Pacific Railroad, one of the oldest and most successful companies making Tacoma a VIP in the trade. In 1903, the executive of Union Pacific Railroads, I guess originality wasn't very important back then, Edward Henry Harriman, who looks like he was ripped straight from a genealogy pop-up ad, announced his plan to expand his company's lines into the Puget Sound by way of a subsidiary the Oregon and Washington Railroad. I don't know about you, but I am not well-versed in train lingo, but according to my very extensive research that definitely wasn't a Google search, a subsidiary is a company controlled by a holding company. So there you go. Word of the day. Subsidiary. Company owned by a bigger company. Companyception. When Henry announced the project, they predicted they'd reach Seattle and Tacoma within the next few years. But three years later, they had only just decided what land to buy to build on. In their defense, if you've ever taken physics or had to travel by foot pretty much anywhere in our lovely little city, you will know hills are awful. They just sit there and laugh at you while your thigh and calf muscles burn while you try and walk three blocks. Despite being giant machines, trains are also victims of the frankly ridiculous number of hills that make the many layers of this city. So yeah, it took a hot minute to figure out the most practical and cost-effective way to build the lines. Eventually, both companies came to the conclusion that the only possible route south from Tacoma without any hills 
was via the Puget Sound shoreline. Then they both just kind of stopped. I'm not totally sure what happened, but no progress was made on either project until 1906, when they began building their respective tracks. Pretty much right next to each other. By 1907, Northern Pacific had a track coming down Gulfers Gulch, which is now where South Tacoma Way connects with Pacific Avenue, but this did involve a pretty steep hill. Union Railroads decided to break off and eliminate some of the grade by creating a tunnel alongside the gulch that would turn left at Jefferson Avenue. And thus, tunnels were born. Sort of. Around mid-October of that year, 1907, a year that was already in the midst of recession, the New York Stock Exchange crashed almost 50% from the previous year. I know nothing about stonks, but even I can see why that was a very bad thing. Panic spread throughout the U.S. as national, state, and local banks entered bankruptcy, which obviously put a hold on the construction. I also just feel like y'all need to know this event was widely known as the Knickerbocker Crisis. By the way, Knickerbockers are those puffy pants that old-timey people wore. Uh, but back to procrastinating trains. The whole thing ended up blowing over in a few months, and in June of 1908, work started to pick up again. Then in 1909, the city of Tacoma agreed to let them build tracks on Center Street provided that they be removed in one year. From this, most journalists assumed that this meant the tracks would be done in a year, or less. Fair assumption, right? Wrong. <laughs> Now that they'd been given the go-ahead to actually start doing things, they realized they'd never actually agreed on how to build. As it turns out, they couldn't come to an agreement, and both companies withdrew their bids, and the project was awarded to the Tuohy Brothers of Spokane for $860,000. The brothers were also given a year, so they did what most people would do, and they made haste. This next year, it's really where it became clear that this venture was just destined for failure. It was fairly smooth sailing for about a week, until they started digging, only to discover that the city's 4-inch waterline was very much inadequate to accommodate the 1.5 million gallons of water needed per day. This was nothing but a small road bump, though easily solved by installing a 10-inch pipe that met their needs. With that out of the way, they continued digging and even got a fancy new shovel that used compressed air instead of steam. Until May 5th, when the tunnels being dug from the north and west met. They finally broke down the last of the earth between them. They found they were about 8 feet out of alignment due to an engineering error. This does seem to be quite the trend here in Tacoma. I-5 Sprague exit, anyone? Obviously, this was a very expensive mistake, and it set them back nearly a month until it came to a temporary agreement with the Northern Pacific Railroads that allowed them to continue construction. Or construction? In June. On June 8th, they hit ground water. Not an unexpected or uncommon problem. But the particular spot that they hit was massive, spilling one to five million gallons a day. For context, 
fact, when they started digging and they had to install a whole new water pipe, that was because of 1.5 million a day. Yet another very expensive problem, costing $20,000 and delaying three months. As luck would have it, the city just happened to be conveniently experiencing a municipal water shortage, so the issues canceled each other out and work was finally able to resume in July. The project was also filling a ravine near 25th and 26th Street, saving the city at least $100,000. But just as things were starting to look up, Edward Harriman, the big boss man of this whole thing, died in September. He was 61, which was pretty old for the time, but unfinalized contracts with Northern Pacific were put in jeopardy now that the company had no real head or leader. The company stayed in limbo for a couple months. Rumors started that they were stalling to deal with the agreements until the end of November, when they finally signed and finalized the contracts and were able to resume business as usual for like two weeks. Mid-November, they were forced to stop once again. The solution that they had been employing to remove the dirt they excavated from the tunnels was no longer adequate. It was time to bring in the big guns very expensive big guns. This new solution was not only expensive, but also much slower. It involved increasing the air pressure in the bore, the fancy new shovel they got back in April. This new strategy required airlocks to be installed, which took the rest of the winter and into the spring. That May, more rumors began to circulate that UP would make an agreement with NP to use their tracks and enter through the Point Defiance Tunnel, meaning that none of the tunnels that they built would ever be used. A full two weeks after these rumors began, Union Pacific announced there would be no tracks north of Portland. On May 19th of 1910, this project was finally put out of its misery. By mid-June, news spread that the tunnels had been sealed. The research for this episode took me a very different direction than expected, but even though I didn't expect to learn about trains, I did enjoy it, and I hope you did as well. To give credit where credit's due, music for this episode is by JJ Marson and Cheesepuff on freesound.com. I got most of my information from Greg Spadoni's article, The Real History Behind Tacoma's Abandoned Railroad Tunnels. So if you'd like a more in-depth look at this disastrous bit of history, be sure to go check it out for yourself. Thanks so much for listening, and remember to check your facts and wash your hands. Hey there! Are you a teacher? Is your name David Milet? Well, if you'd like an ad-free listening experience, then you should give Dylan an exceeding on this assignment, even though they wait until the very last minute, and it's kind of short. Enter code EXCEEDING at checkout for the gratitude of a very tired student. For well qualified lessees, for credit, not all lessees qualified for this payment amount, 24 months, 10 25,000 miles per year, A to Z, competitive from residence, $25,000, down clause payment, tax and fees to assign to one for the credit, security deposit, waiting, bottoms, 4 months, CD, and details.